0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Monday Morning Podcast. This is the second week of our gold block. Last week, we had Shay Russell on. This week, we've got Brian Chu of Goldstock Pro on. And next week, we have Tacoa Da Silva, a big name in gold as well. The Federal Reserve has just had its meeting virtual, though it may be, at Jackson Hole. And we talked to Brian Chu about what that means for the gold price. Here's me and Brian. Hey, Brian, great to have you back to talk about gold again. How are you today?
1: I'm doing all right, uh, lucky, And um, yeah, it looks like it's pretty good weather where you are. Is that right?
0: Oh, it's actually beautiful down here in Melbourne and uh, things you're looking up. So I was just going to pick your brain on a few gold topics today. Uh, we've just had the Jackson Hole meeting in the US, the Fed is pretty much playing the same tune that it's played for a long time, particularly Jerome Powell. Um, And not much has changed, you know, it's sort of the market moved up on the, after the meeting and that was sort of indicating to me that uh, the rates will stay low for a persistent period of time. How does this play into the gold price, Brian?
1: Well, I guess if you look at the movements in the price of gold uh, in US trading last Friday, uh, it closed up twenty dollars, twenty US dollars higher at about eighteen uh, dollar, eighteen sixteen, and today right now as we are talking, on Monday, uh, Monday afternoon, just before, just after the um, market closed, it's at $18.12 US dollars an ounce. In Australian dollar terms, uh, the Australian dollar has strengthened relative to the US dollar quite significantly, and it's above seventy three US cents. So we are talking about 2480 um, Australian dollars an ounce uh, for, for gold. So, I guess there is an offsetting effect in the Jackson Hole meeting that the Federal Reserve, once again, as you pointed out correctly, um, they're playing the same game. It's talk, talk things up about tapering um, leading up to the uh, Federal Reserve meetings, uh, scare the investors into a taper tantrum. Uh, Bash the price of gold and silver and um, a couple of commodities down. Then afterwards, in you know, the press conferences, tell people, well, you know, we we think the economy is growing. Um, we'll probably taper later on, but we're not going to talk about when. Um, and as a result, the investors will start uh, reversing all their taper tantrum trades. So. I guess there's a rinse and repeat, but there's a there's a niggling uh, there's a niggling thought in the back of my mind that um, there is compl- there's increasing complacency among investors, and there could just be one nasty day when the Federal Reserve decides maybe we will act on it and catch everyone by surprise, so that could play that could play nicely into the um, hands of gold investors. There may be a short uh, period of pain should a shock event like that happen because everything is going to go down. But if uh, past is um, an indicator of the future, not that history rhymes and not that history repeats, but look at what happened in uh, February and March last year when everything fell down, but gold actually was the first to bounce up uh, on the 16th of March, a week ahead of everyone else.
0: Well, that's that's a fascinating sort of time capsule uh, opinion you've got there, taking us back to February 2020. I want to pivot now to some comments you've got about the current state of gold mining in Australia. What I'm noticing is a lot of these gold miners have significantly elevated margins, uh, at least historically speaking, and the differential between their all-in sustaining cost and uh, and and the actual price of gold in Aussie dollars is still quite large. So, what are your thoughts on this, Brian?
1: So, from that, uh, from what you what you say, um, given that there is a increased margin uh, between the price that uh, our gold producers are selling into the market. And how much they're spending getting the gold out of the ground, we are in a period where there is a sweet spot, but there is some headwinds, and I and I need to be realistic uh, about this. There are headwinds thanks to the politicization of our um, state governments, where premiers are now hoping to score points off each other, saying how bad the other state is in managing their um, their. number of cases and hospitalizations uh, from the virus and they're closing their borders down. Western Australia has decided to um, basically take it one step further and it's affecting the mining industry in there. So while we are actually watching um, higher margins for these gold producers, we will actually experience a one or two quarters perhaps where costs are going to be a little higher and is going to be a little lower. And I think that yeah. may have been the reason why gold producers have been, um, are still somewhat down relative to, um, the price of gold. As you can yeah. see the gold ASX uh, gold index, it's about 64, 50, 6,500 today. And, um, it's been it's been down relatively um, compared to how gold is actually now um, at levels near early this year, and back in the back when that was happening, um, our gold index was well over seven thousand. So mm-hmm. it is cheaper at the moment, but investors at I, I think are a bit cautious because they expect um, the, the, the there may be a speed bump for some of these gold producers. As for explorers, I think um, a lot of wind has been taken out of them. And um, I am noticing uh, some of the better explorers have jumped quite significantly uh, in the last week. Uh, One or two may have jumped because of recommendations I've made to new Gold Stock Pro subscribers and those who joined the Gold Digger Summit. But there are others which I did not recommend and they're going up 10, 12% today. So I think we may actually be seeing them round the bottom. Um, and I certainly hope that's the case if uh the central banks continue to um just well, do what they've always these, done. Yeah, which is what which is what they've always been doing. And I think uh it will be a couple of months before they'll start uh talking about tapering and scaring people again.
0: Well, you you mentioned a sort of labor crunch there in the offing, particularly for uh, WA-based gold companies. Uh, I was was sort of a bit curious, um, maybe you've got a bit of a grip on this. Uh, How much labor is involved in, say, a gold producer um, versus a gold developer or gold explorer? Which is more sort of like pound for pound, the more labor intensive i I was just curious off the top of my head
1: well i'll be honest with you on this lucky and to viewers um i am talking uh, i'm talking off the top of my head on this one and it's based more on logic rather than um hard statistics so i'll need to dig in a bit deeper if i'm going to um, provide you with more solid numbers but my understanding is with um, explorer companies some some explorer companies can work off uh, a staff or maybe you have the board, four or five board directors, executive management. Uh, some executive management could be contractors and people on the ground doing the work. You could have as as little as even five people on the ground: uh, surveyors, um, geologists, with, um, geologists. Yeah, people with metal detectors as the operations get a bit bigger uh, with developers where you're building something, you may have to hire um, contract miners uh, who are driving trucks, uh, people who are building sites, so that could be um, 100, 150, depending on the scale of the yeah. mine. Uh, with producers, you could have uh, significant um, headcounts of uh, three, 400 in a a single mine operation because um, they are you you need people operating the machinery you need quite a number of people manning the processing plants uh quality assurance um and you also have to have um human resources corporate finance administration teams so the large producers are the ones who um are facing a bit of a crunch in terms of the on the ground management of their mine sites. Uh, Some of their staff, they are facing short staff, probably short staffing. Um, Developers and explorers probably not so much, but uh, there is actually a lot of competition between um, various mining companies for contract staff to uh, work on the ground. So even the developers are probably facing a bit of a squeeze Um, and explorers they, I think I think the small the smaller ones would be fine. The only thing that they're held up on, as I understand from uh, what Shay's been talking about, she's got insider knowledge on um, yeah. the labs. The, the explorers are more um, keen on the lab results on their um, drill, drill samples.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I mean all of these are sort of important things to know if you were to go about valuing a gold company, uh, where it is now where it could go in the future and i know a lot goes into it but i was hoping you could give us a sort of a quick version of uh the way you go about valuing gold companies because i think this will be really interesting for people who are interested in gold companies in australia
1: yeah my pleasure to talk about this um so i developed um you could say standing on the back, standing on the shoulders of giants in the past, and I've extended the, um, the methodology that they have used in industry, which are um, multiples on production or multiples on, um, resources and reserves. So for producers, I've added on top of. Um, a multiple on producer is that I adjust the production based on the all-in sustaining costs. My belief is that a higher cost miner is going to, um, even if the higher cost miner produces more than a lower cost miner, what matters is how much it costs them to get the gold out of the ground. If they spend a lot more, it's because they're going through more rocks to get the same amount of gold. So I level the playing field that way And I compare that against the margin in which they are able to um, sell their gold in in excess of what they produce. So from there, I get the adjusted production uh, divided by their their profit margin. This gives me a enterprise value multiple similar to what um, industry would use Um, for like a price to earnings ratio or an enterprise value to uh, EBITDA or um, type of multiple. So that's how I use it for producers. And based on my historical um, data, which I had hand collected uh, for producers in Australia, I come up with suitable uh, multiple ranges for large, junior and mid-tier producers. And that allows me to get an idea of what the fair value should be. And I compare that against what the price is at the moment to see whether I'm getting good value or not so good value on the producers. On the on the um, developer and explorer side, I look at the amount of resources and reserves they have in the ground. But on top of that, similar to producers where I Adjusted for costs, I adjust the resources based on the grade of the resources, because again the same argument is a lower grade, um, a lower grade deposit means you've got to crunch through more rocks to get the same um, ounce of gold out, and that's going to cost more. So I adjust the grade and then come up with a enterprise value multiple for that, and compare it against um, other peer companies and see which one um, is better value. So I use that approach to select my um, desirable explorers that I put on the shortlist to recommend to my subscribers.
0: Well, it's great. You got a sort of uh, rigorous rubric to work with there, Brian. I just want to ask you one final thing today. And it's this is if you could say one thing to prospective gold investors right now, what would you say?
1: Well, right now we have seen the price of gold recover to a uh, recover after having a rather protracted decline and while gold stocks are trading lower even as we saw the gold price recover I want you to understand that the tailwinds of the weaker economy um delayed tapering of quantitative easing will probably be supportive of the price of gold and silver and with better operational um capabilities of the companies in australia they have slimmed down and they have trimmed their fat uh from from the past couple of years they are actually run better so this would be a good time to come in and start accumulating. Um, I do understand that there are are talks between people who are in the technical side and they say that it may take a little while longer for gold to really uh, rally just like uh, it did in 2019. If we hold out and these people are correct and gold is going to um, take a little longer to rally, it means that don't jump in head first but start accumulating and uh, getting into the action because once people pick, it, pick up on this and the price of gold rallies, it will be too late for you to come in and grab those bargains. Okay.
0: Well, uh, that's uh, that would be pretty exciting for a lot of people who are into gold out there. There are, of course, risks associated with this, but I would also just say that history is a pretty good guide. I mean, if you go back to the seventies and eighties, what happened there, um, it was pretty astounding for gold. And if you look at the historical charts, there's, there's a sort of, you can see why a lot of the gold investors see a lot of headroom on the charts, um, in the future. So I want to finally thank you for your time today, Brian. I had a lot of fun as always. We we always keep up the chat in the background, even, even when we're not recording. So, uh, Thank you very much, Brian.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, Lockheed. Well, that was a great
0: chat I just had with Brian Chu of Goldstock Pro next week. Remember, we've got Takola de Silva, a famous gold investor on. That's going to be super exciting. So I can't wait to share that with you. As always, like, subscribe, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you.